0: Hi, my name's Tanya. My spot is serving on the greeting team. Hi, I'm Andrew. My spot is serving on our stewardship council, playing on the worship team with Kyle and the band, as well as this next week serving at a summer class location. My name is Ellie, and my spot is to serve on Route 56. We're Tim and Chardell, and our job is to take care of these wild beasts. <laughs> Actually, we're Tim and Chardell still, and our spouse is teaching first grade. Perfect. <laughs> and many of us have taken care of wild beasts, so I know we could all relate to that. You know, I thought of something with that video at the end, thinking, some of these kids are going to grow up, and some of their fondest memories with God is going to be through a class like that with people that care about them and serve them, and I'm just so grateful for our church family and the way God designed us. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look there shortly. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll end up starting in verse 10, but I want to share with you About 20 years ago, a man named Jim Collins wrote a book, and the book was entitled Good to Great, and it quickly became a bestseller. It sold over 3 million copies so far, but he and his team did five years of research on 28 businesses in the last 15 years of their life, and what they wanted to do was figure out what makes a team or organization successful. That's what they wanted to know. What what turned good companies into great companies? Now, we're not a company, so don't get the wrong impression, but you'll see where I'm headed with this. How do you get from good to great? And so what they did was they had these characteristics. They had some landmarks of what they see in the last 15 years. And and now this is a classic reference. Businesses still use this today uh, in research for organizational success. And what Jim did in his research was amazing because people didn't know the truth about what makes a team so great together. And he popularized an analogy of getting the right people on the bus, but more importantly, getting, getting them in the right seat, getting them in the right role. You know, for your team, for your organization, for your volunteer team, for your family even, it's true. If you want to work really well together and be great, each person, has to work within their strengths and their passions where, where God, how God has designed them. When people are in the right spot, they shine the brightest. And if everybody's in the right seat on the bus, joy and results are sure to come. Now, of course, Jim didn't invent this idea. He just wrote about it and made billions of dollars off it. But this wisdom has been around for thousands of years. And in particular, this wisdom is found in the Bible, You can look in the Bible to see how God designed people to work best in their right spot. And you can even see this in nature. Uh, I have kids and one of my favorite shows to watch with them are like animal discovery shows. And we got Apple TV subscription for a a free subscription for a trial. And in it, they had the show called Tiny World. Has anybody ever seen it? you're missing out. It's amazing. If you like animals and God's creation and you get pumped about God's design, it is just the best animal show ever. And all they do is they take these high def cameras and they show these little animals and they take you all over the world. And there are some animals that are really suited well for the jungle. They just thrive in the jungle. You know, like I think my kids could survive there. Uh, But then there are other animals that have thick fur, really thick skin, and they do best in the Arctic cold. And there are some animals that thrive in the desert where there's almost no water, and yet there are other animals that cannot even survive out of water. And just in God's design, you see that God has a purpose and a design for His creation. And did you know that you and I are similar? You and I are similar. Now, we're all humans, and it's not like some of us are weird and have different number legs and stuff like that, but we have a design and a purpose to us. I want to share with you two passages from one of Paul's letters because God designed each of us for an individual purpose that may not seem unique because other people can do that too, but God designed each of us for a specific purpose. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which, he, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So already there's, in Paul's letter, a common theme. It's before Paul. But God created you for what he considers good works. He designed you specifically. Later in chapter 4, Paul explains this further and describes how this works in the church, in like a church family like this. In Ephesians 4.16, From Christ, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love, And get this, by the proper working of each individual part. Do you see that? If each individual part works according to their proper spot, their correct spot, it will build itself up in love. And what you see here is that God is on a mission. Right now, whether you've thought about it recently or not, let's just meditate for a moment on on a biblical truth. God is on a mission. Like imagine, we have missionaries that we support in organizations. Do you know that God is on a mission? Do we support him? Are we joining him in his mission? Do you know that God is working? Jesus said in, John, uh, in John's gospel that my father is working even till now. That's why I'm working. And he's working even now. God is working right now. He's on a mission, and that mission is to save sinners, is to seek and to save the lost, you and me. He wants to change our lives. He wants to seek us and save us and show us who he is and what he designed and created us to do. And he wants us, the church family, the body, as Paul says, he wants this body to be the hands and feet out in this community so that other people will know the good news of Jesus, so that other people could be set free, that they would know the truth. And so Paul describes this church family, the gathering, those that are believers in one place, he describes us as like his body, arms and feet and legs and mouth, and we say things and do things and serve and act in such a way that Jesus is no longer here in the flesh. He would just be here in one place if that were true. But now he's here throughout the body, throughout the church. So each local church, Jesus says, that's like my body out in the community doing my work. God is on mission And the question is, are we on mission with Him? Are we on mission with Him? But of course, if you want to answer that question honestly and you say, I want to be on mission with God, I want to join Him in what He's doing, I want to be this created part individually working properly in my spot, I want to do what God has called me to do, you have two questions to answer. One is, how can I find my spot? Like, how do I know which body part I am? Like, I'm probably the pinky toe, that's me. I don't know what body part you are. Some of you are the elbow. Some of you do this a lot. That's your gift. You're the elbow. Some of you are the head. Some of you are the ears. But you're each a, a part of God's body to do God's work. So how can you find your spot? And then second, once you find it, how do you fill it? How do you actually work in your spot? And we'll go shortly through that last part, but we should answer, how do I find my spot and how do I fill my spot? And number one, and you can use SPOT as an acronym, there are four provisions in the Bible that God gives. Four provisions from God to where you could be pointed in the right direction to know what your spot is, where he's calling you to be. So, number one, using the S in spot, spiritual gifts. God has given us spiritual gifts. That's one marker of direction to point you to where you can do your spot. Now, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, The Holy Spirit is the one who decides which gifts to give which believers. You all are gifted, and you may not know what your gift is, but the good news is God is the one who decides. The pastor does not decide, the pastors, the elders, even your parents, even, nobody else decides which supernatural gifts the Holy Spirit is going to give to you to do His work. But God promises, I'm gonna give you, each of you, I'm gonna give you a spiritual gift. I'm gonna use you in a supernatural way and give you something to do, no matter who you are. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Now, as we have many parts in one body, like fingers, toes, legs, knees, elbows, shoulders, some of you have knees that you didn't start out with when you were born, but you have a knee. And so you have parts. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function. Now, this is significant. Because this puts away with comparison. This puts away with shame. We all have a different part to play, and that's good. God wanted that. God wanted each of you. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Don't say, oh, I wish I had their gifts, and them saying, oh, I wish I had the other gifts. Don't do that. First Corinthians 12 explains that. Don't compare. Don't fight. Don't get discouraged. You all have different parts. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of it. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. God was very explicit to explain over and over, you guys, listen. Don't compete with each other. Don't get discouraged. You're going to have different gifts. That's how I've designed you. That's how I've created you. Trust him. Trust the Father that he knows how to give each of you a gift. Now, the major passages that include the gifts are in 1 Corinthians 12. It's here in Romans 12. And it's also some, and there's some insight to go into it in wisdom, but Ephesians 4 points to it. 1 Peter 5 speaks about using gifts that God has given you. And so we know that there are gifts. Some of the gifts include administration, administration. And I, for one, am a witness and testimony to that. We need people gifted supernaturally with organizing things because we need that help from God, but that's listed in the scripture as a spiritual gift. Uh, There's also encouragement, faith. Some people are gifted with a certain kind of faith, giving, healing. Uh, Some people perform acts of service. Some people teach. And so God has gifted us to do certain parts. God is on a mission to do His work, to seek and to save the lost, to change people's lives, are you on that mission? Do you know what your spot is? You should ask yourself, what is my spiritual gift? 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. Now, there are varieties of gifts. There's many different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, ways that people use those gifts, Service services that they use, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Here again, you see it. There are different gifts. God's the one who gives them. He's the one who empowers them, but it's the same God trying to fulfill his mission. God is on a mission. He's trying to do something. He's passionate. He loves people. He wants to seek and to save them. He's using us as the body. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation for the spir- of the Spirit for the common good. God is saying, I manifest myself in you when you use your spiritual gift for the common good. It's like God is saying, hey, I show up and I do that. The Spirit of God does that in you. That's a spiritual gift. Now, there are natural gifts that we have, and we'll get to those later. But these are supernatural spiritual gifts. So, God gives every Christian spiritual gifts to do ministry for the common good. God is on a mission. Are you on the mission with Him? Or have you joined Him? So he gives us gifts. Number two, God shapes our passions. He shapes our passions. That's the P in spot, passions. A passion is something you care about that gets your willing service and personal sacrifice. It gets your willing service and your personal sacrifice. A passion is not something that someone else has to persuade you to care about. It's something from within, something you desire, something you care about. You're like, I'll give my time to that. I want that to be changed. I want to do that. I'll give my time. I'll give my money. I will take personal sacrifice. It will cost me because I'm passionate about that. Some of you have passion. Now, listen, I'm a pastor, and I know some of you in here, you would say, I don't have a spiritual gift, or I don't know what it is. And that's, listen, some of us, it's hard sometimes to know what is the spiritual gift. That seems, it's supernatural. That's not easy. And then some of you will say, I don't have any passions. I'm not passionate about anything. And I know that God uses you to sanctify me and to test my patience. And I know, and, it's, and I thank God for you. Uh, but I want to tell you, you have a passion. You care about something, even if it's your family, even if it's something weird that no one knows about, you have a passion. There is something you care about that you're willing to give your time and your money and your resources to. Whatever that is, that's your passion. Now, that may not be a great passion, but it's a passion nonetheless. You have passions because from within, you were created a certain way, your personality. God formed you in a certain way. So I want you to listen to the psalmist sing about how God designed each person. In Psalm 139, verse 13, he's speaking to God. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Right before I was even born, you started designing me of who I am. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I didn't make myself. My parents didn't make me. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, designed me, the real me, the you that's you, the inside stuff you. God shaped that personally. There's no one else like you in that sense. God really did create each of us individually to reflect the image of God. It's a glorious honoring thing. God honored himself by making you in his image. It's a beautiful thing. He, and he sees you as his adopted child if you're a Christian. And he sees you as the lost that he's seeking and desiring to save if you're not. But God designed you personally. And if you choose to delight yourself in God, if you say the me that's me, if I choose to take delight in God, in the Lord, if I choose to delight myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. And that idea, that word that's used there in Psalm 37 is... Uh, a word that speaks about your passions, your desires. Psalm thirty-seven, verse four: Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Speaking of your passions, your heart isn't just the feeling center. Remember, we talked about this last week. Your heart is the seat of your will. It's what you think, what you want. It's your desire. It's your passions. It's it's where you're headed. It's what you think is the best place. Your heart was not a feeling center like we think of it today in our culture. It was deeper than that. And so, what the psalmist is saying is, if you delight in God, He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, how do you delight in God? Well, it's a choice. You choose to enjoy Him. You have to have the right kind of attitude. Now, if any of you are parents, you understand this all too well. Have you ever talked to your kid and said, now listen, your attitude is going to make you hate this whole thing. You're not going to enjoy this at all because you have a bad attitude. Change your attitude. You can enjoy this. This is good if you would just change your attitude. You have to make a choice to look at it a certain way. And we adults are like that too. All of us, no matter how old, no matter how many gray hairs or no hairs you have, there are times when God has to remind you, what's your attitude? How are you looking at this? And the psalmist says, if you delight in God, if you choose to say, I'm going to enjoy Him, if you, what the Christians say, if you give your heart to God, if you say, I am making a commitment to read your word, I'm making a commitment to pray and talk with you, I'm committing my life, I'm giving my heart to you, I I want to enjoy you, I'm making this choice, I'm setting my face towards you, I'm looking to you, take delight in God and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because when you do that, when you say, God is my passion, my highest passion, that's the idea, I am making God my ultimate passion, when you do that, His desires will become your desires. His wants will become your wants. His passion becomes your passion because you will be so changed and influenced by being with Him and setting your heart on Him that He will change you. God is so strong and powerful and wonderful and loving and what we were actually created for. The closer you get to Him, the more you want to be like Him. God gave us passions. What's your passion? Now, Passions can be tricky. They're tricky because, for one, if you're not really delighting yourself in God, your passions will just be the cravings of your flesh. And there's a real warning there. You could just be satisfying the desires of your flesh, and that will lead you to darkness and to death. Sin gives birth to death. But give your, make your delight Him, and He will start changing what you want. What I wanted when I was 13 is not the same thing I want today. God has changed me from the inside out, and He'll change you. The second thing is, God may give you a passion today that I'm sorry you can't use today. I know many missionaries that sensed a a sure call that God called them to be missionaries. God wants me to go do this. And some of them, it took five, ten years, maybe longer, before they were on the mission field. And they said, I just kept waiting, but I was seeking the Lord and I felt like He was wanting me to wait. Sometimes God will give you passions today that you won't use until tomorrow. Or the tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And so with passions uh, passion requires two things prudence and patience passion requires prudence and patience prudence meaning you have to discern you have to decide when is this good when am i going to use this how is god using this is this for now is this for later and it takes patience it's hard to wait no one likes waiting even the people that teach about waiting don't really like waiting any more than you but god shows us passion takes patience and prudence and there's another sermon and other verses for that but if your true delight is in God, ask yourself, what, what are my passions? Because God is influencing those. And ask yourself, what do I care about? And is this desire from God's influence in my life? Is this God's influence in my life that is causing me to be passionate about this? Because God will use your passions. He will shape them to do His work. And why is that? Because God is working. God is on a mission. Right now, God desires to save people God wants desperately to change this city to change your family to change your life to use you to influence the people around you God is on a mission he's on a mission whether you're on it with him or not but he invites you to join him to work in your spot to, to find your spot are you on mission with him because he is on a mission Number three, God will provide new opportunities for you. This is the O. You have S, spiritual, gifts, P, passions, O, opportunities. God provides new opportunities. He will open up doors for you to walk through. And so what you have to do is is answer this. What's going on around you? I mean, if I were your friend and we were just sitting over a, a snack or a meal or something, and I asked, hey, what is God doing around you right now? What's he doing in your church, your church family? What is he doing in your community, in your neighborhood? What's he doing? Take a look around you. Galatians 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as you and I have opportunity, there's a command from the Lord, let us work for the good of all. Let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Now, God is not prejudice. He doesn't play favoritism, but why does he say, especially in this church family? Because if we all are serving in our spot, the body's going to be healthy. And if the body is healthy, it's going to be effective. It's going to be joyful. It's going to be a great church body. We are going to do what God designed us to do. We will build ourselves up in love as each one is working properly in in their spot. And so God desires us to do that because what he really wants, he's not showing favoritism to those not a part of the household. You know what he wants? You are his hands and feet. If you're not healthy, they won't be reached. God loves them. There's there's a sense in which we are joining him in seeking and saving the lost. Are you on mission? Because God is. Are you in your spot? Do you know what your spot is? People who care about you, maybe you should ask somebody that cares about you, you know, how do you think I could best be used by God right now? What do you think God is doing in my life? Ask someone close to you. And, you know, a little bit of a warning, a little bit of rebuke, maybe. If that seems awkward to you, if that seems awkward and I don't want to do this and that's too abnormal, I can't ask someone what God is doing in my life and how I can be used. I'm just letting you know, you're missing the vision of the mission. If that's you, if it's awkward for you, it's because you don't see what God is doing yet. And you should just pray, God, open my eyes to what you're doing. Because if you see what God is doing, it's not going to be weird for you to say, man, God, where are you taking me? Asking your close friends, what, what's God doing in my life? Well, wh- what do you see God doing? What are the opportunities around me? So look for opportunities because God, God provides new opportunities for you to serve him. And lastly, what are your talents? That's the T. You have spiritual gifts, passions, opportunities, and talents. This is the natural gifts, natural abilities. We talk of spiritual, supernatural gifts, which are mentioned in the Bible, and then there's just talents. There's natural abilities that you develop that's a part of who you are. Some of you were just designed and created with natural abilities because God wants to use your talents to build His kingdom. He does this all the time. Now, they're like spiritual gifts, but they're natural. Maybe You've heard of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. There's a couple of parables in there, and they're all pointing toward talents, that God gives us talents. And God wants us to use our talents for Him. Some of you are athletic. So, some of you just have this natural ability with your body to, to do things. Do you know that some of the greatest witnesses in our culture, just because of the way that our culture is, are athletes that are Christians? And they use their talent to promote God. They use their talent to lift the name of Jesus. You can use a talent. Now, some of your talent is building. Maybe you guys are just building with your hands. Now, lost people can have a talent like that. It's not a supernatural gift. A lost person can have it. They just build with their hands. But what are your talents? What are your natural abilities? Because whatever they are, God can use them to perform great feats for his name. He can use them to draw people in to see something special and creative, like musically talented. You know, we have a worship pastor that's spiritually gifted and naturally gifted. He just has a talent. And we have people on our worship band that are just amazingly talented. And God uses that to what? To build his kingdom, to draw us into worship, to be a blessing to us. Who doesn't love a blessing and joy and relationship where we serve one another? And so what are your talents? What has God given you? Now, helping helping you find your spot, ask yourself, what are my spiritual gifts, what are my passions, what opportunities do I have, and what are my talents? Now, all four of those won't necessarily bring you to a one right spot, but asking those questions, answering those, will help direct you and point you in the right direction where God may be using you. Now, I know some people are going to look at these four and say, I still can't serve. I can't serve. And this is a good point in the service for me to tell you, some of you shouldn't serve some of you have health complications or difficult circumstances in your life that right now it's not a healthy time for you to be in a formal routinely public acts of service where you're doing it all the time in a certain way and that's possible I knew a man that he had a talent and a passion of singing he loved singing and he was good at it and then he had a stroke and for the rest of his life he couldn't sing the same And he grieved the loss of his passion and talent. But right now, he's singing like none of us could imagine singing. And he's with the Lord. But there was a moment, whether he didn't choose for that, where where God took that talent from him, took that from him. There are going to be seasons for you where God changes you, just like the seasons are. You grow through seasons. He's going to move you from doing something specific and doing something else. Sometimes it'll change. But there will be circumstances where you just need to take a break. It's kind of like off-ramps and on-ramps, like on the highway. Sometimes you need to get off the highway and you need to take a break, and sometimes you need to get on. Now, some of you haven't been on the road for a while, and so I just want to say... Maybe you need to start the car up and dust it off and get back on the road. God wants to use you. He can't use a parked car. He can't steer a parked car. He wants to use you, and maybe you should, and some of you shouldn't. I've talked to the elderly, some elderly in our community, and sometimes they tell me, you know, Jack, because of an aging mind or a failing body, or a failing mind and an aging body, either way, I I just can't do anything. And I, I pray that you would hear this. Prayer... And giving godly wisdom and counsel are two of the most helpful and missing acts of service in American church life today. You may not be able to be in a public service and you may not have the energy to do a lot, but you can commit your life to prayer and the truth. Don't make excuses like Moses. Remember Moses? Remember Moses who God called him and he told him, this is your spot. This is what I'm going to have you do. And he's like, I don't know. And then he gives him five excuses. And the fifth excuse, send someone else. Remember the excuses? And God was trying to tell him, "Don't, don't make excuses for not serving me. And it's because Moses could not see what God saw. Moses didn't see himself as that leader. He didn't see himself able. He didn't see himself prepared. He didn't see that he would be successful. Moses leaned on his own understanding and not on God. Just because you can't see what God sees doesn't mean you shouldn't do what God asks. Have the courage to pray and ask God, where's my spot? What do you want me to do right now? Is this a season where you want me to be working in a particular area? And do it. And do it well. You can fill your spot in a special way. God may be calling you to do something that you don't feel prepared for. I want to share this verse with you in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26-27. through 27. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential or powerful. Not many were of noble birth, as if you inherited and knew this was what you were born for. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You know, some people would say, this could be my life versus. <laughs> and it's true. You may not be able to accomplish what God wants to accomplish on your own, but you can do all things through Him who strengthens you. God will call you to do some things sometimes, and don't make excuses. And even though there's times when you shouldn't be serving, don't just easily let it pass. Figure out what God wants you to do and do it with all your heart. Because once you find your spot, you need to fill it. And here's three quick ways in which you can serve and fill your spot. Once you find it, fill your spot. Here it is. Number one, serve with God. Serve with God. This is a lot of Christians miss this. They work for God and not with them, and they get burnt out, and there's no relational aspect to it, and it's just a big uh, deteriorating, exhausting Experience and then they get upset with the church and with God because they were never with Him in the first place. God is with you. He promises to be with you and not forsake you. You're not working for Him. You're working with Him. It's a joyful thing. It's a together thing. He empowers you. He gives you your spirit. He shows you what he cares about and allows you to come in. If you think, oh, i got to do this all in my own strength and might and abilities and characteristics and all my own stuff, and you think you're just doing it for him because I want God to like me and I want the pastor to stop yelling at me and blah, 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 if those are your reasons, you will get burnt out and it won't be for the Lord. Serve with God. Remember that Jesus says, I'm sending you out, but, lo, no, I will be with you to the end of the age. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'm sending you out to be my witnesses. Paul tells us in Colossians 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Don't work for men, for men's approval, with them to be accepted. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. You're serving Him, which means you're with Him and you're doing it for Him. So work as if working with the Lord and for the Lord. And if you do, you'll likely serve with gladness. That's number two. Serve with God and serve with gladness. Serve with gladness. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Now, I don't know. There must be an English translation out there because I've been around some church folk now for some decades Somehow, somewhere, in some translation, this is translated as, serve the Lord with a frowny face and grumbling, and don't you dare be happy. I don't know what translation that is. I don't know how people get it in their hands. But some people, they miss this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Some of you aren't even smiling right now. I just want to be like, hey, God has called you to do his work. Put a smile on your face. The Spirit of God is in you. Serve him with gladness. He saved you. Do you know that you and I, that he's prepared a place for us that we will be in forever? No more sickness, no more pain, no more nothing. And the reason why he has you and I here right now is because he loves you. He loves you and he's on a mission. And he loves your brothers and sisters. And he wants to give you the joy of working alongside him to go get them. Serve the Lord with gladness. Philippians 4 and Colossians 3. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. That's a command. It's an imperative in English. It's you saying God wants you to rejoice. You rejoice. He even said, I'll say it again. I'll say it two times. Rejoice. That's what he wants. Colossians 3, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, that giving thanks thing is critical to serve the Lord with gladness. I'm not sure you can be miserable and glad are miserable and grateful at the same time. We need to be grateful of what God has done in us, and we need to share that gratitude with others. And we do that through serving. Serve the Lord with gladness. And three, serve the Lord with grit. Serve with grit. I like grit. I like the word. It's, it's a synonym for perseverance. It means serve the Lord with unshakable resolve, with a, with a spiritual courage. Don't give up. Serve the Lord as if you're working for him and not for men. Serve him with grit, spiritual courage, and unshakable resolve. Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What a beautiful promise to a man that was in prison years of his Christian life. Everybody abandoned him, left him. He didn't even have his coat. He had asked his buddy, hey, will you bring my coat for the winter? I'm going to be cold. You would have looked at Paul's ministry and thought, I don't know that that's the success trail. You know, I don't know that he's being very successful. People aren't with him. He's in prison. Everybody doesn't like him. Sounds like a politician that no one likes. I mean, this is just bad news for him. And he tells the people, listen, do not grow weary of doing good. You're going to reap, which means like a farmer who plants a seed and then reaps the fruit of it and has it and can sell it and eat it and use it. If you keep planting and you keep working, one day you will reap a harvest. You've got to not grow weary in doing good. I read a meme. I read a meme that said, "This is really funny." I read it this week. It says, "If you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life." That's a lie. That's such a lie. A ten-year-old wrote that. Nobody older than ten would have written that. There are going to be. T- it is not all sunshine and roses. Part of your job, part of your role, serving, there are going to be moments where it's like, I don't want to do this. This is difficult. You're going to to experience conflict and opposition. You're going to experience discouragement. People are going to say nasty things about you. They're going to write things about you. They're going to gossip about you. They're going to slander the church. They're going to be upset with you, and they're going to put it all on you. That's happened to me. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Believe that you're working for them. Do not quit. Serve with grit. Don't quit. There's going to be discouragement, but, but that doesn't mean you should quit. And you're not going to be locked into one role forever your whole life, and you don't have to go find your spot. Okay, this is the spot I'm going to be 24-7, 365 for the rest of my Christian life. That's not true. But figure out what your spot is and serve in that way until God leads you in a different direction. Sometimes you need a break. Sometimes there's a seasonal change. Sometimes it's good for you to walk away. But it shouldn't be there for long. That shouldn't be permanent. And that shouldn't be a time of conflict and a lack of peace and a source of bitterness in your life. God is on a mission, and he wants to give you joy to be on mission with him. Remember the promise that God gives in Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I like this little phrase, If he calls you to it, he'll bring you through it. I know that's kind of cheesy, but it really does work. If he calls you to it, he will bring you through it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If he's the one who called you to it, he will bring you through it. Some of you um, know the story of my dad. My dad, of course, wasn't raised in a Christian-like home. He named me Jack Daniel after the whiskey. Uh, He was an alcoholic, a Marine, lived his life ended up cheating on my mom, they divorced, she cheated on him, broken home, stepped away from God, gave himself to booze and other things, and then God saved him. And he's been a Christian for some years, he's been a Christian for a while, God's really worked on him, but in the last, I don't know, maybe four years, God has done something special in his life. He has changed completely. Do you know that he just got hired on, not too long ago, on staff at a church? Yeah, you, listen, if you knew my dad, you would be laughing so hard right now in disbelief. He is on staff at a church. Now, he's, uh, I don't know what his formal title is, but it's like old man with all the keys. I don't know exactly what he does, but he works for the church. It's wonderful. And I wish I could tell you what changed my dad's life was because he had a son as a pastor. That's not true. It wasn't me. It was, a na- it was a man named Greg Drace. <laughs> Greg Drace. He's, that's him on the right. He loves fishing. That's one of his passions and talents. His boat is called Soul Harvest. Greg took my dad out fishing and then told my dad, I'm going to meet with you. You're going to meet with me and we're going to go over scripture. My dad being a Marine, retired Marine for 20 years, he took okay to that. He started opening the Bible and discipling my dad. He would take him out fishing with him. This man, Greg, names his boat Soul Harvest and will take ruffians like some of you and they won't go to church. He'll take them on his boat. He'll let them say the words they want to say, do the things they word. He will celebrate catching fish with them and then he'll witness to them. He'll tell them the joy and the hope that's within him. And he, guys get saved on a boat because Greg Drace found his spot and decided to fill his spot. And because he found his spot, my dad was influenced in a powerful way. And now my dad, the old man with all the keys, found his spot. My dad actually told me when this is recently, actually, he's like, yeah, and it was kind of scary. He said, now I have to do this with other guys. It's like, that's right, dad. That's right. Find your spot. It's not about fulfilling a role or getting an activity done or watching kids. It's not just doing a job. Finding your spot is about joining God on his mission because God is seeking and saving the lost. He still works today. He works powerfully today. And it takes a people willing to get on their knees and pray and give their life to Christ. My life is yours. My time is yours. My money is yours. My heart is yours. I know that God is still working today. He's on mission. Are we on mission with him? Are we in our right spot? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you because you chose first to take the role of a servant even to the point of death, suffering and dying on a cross so that we may be saved, so that all who look upon you in faith would be saved. Thank you for taking the first steps in our relationship with you. Thank you for loving us first. We love you because you loved us first. And we pray that you would make us a church where each one of us works properly in our individual spots, serving you for the common good, using our gifts and talents, the passions you've shaped within us, the opportunities you give us. We pray that you would continue to give us more. Help us serve in a godly, holy way. Help us serve with gladness. Help us serve with grit. Help us to see what you're doing in our lives and in this community. We want more. Summer Quest was so wonderful, but we know that's just the beginning. Keep using us to be your hands and feet and help us in our own household to serve one another with gladness. We love you. We give this service to you. You deserve all honor and glory. To you is the power. You are the one that we're here for. So we lift up your name with gratitude. Jesus, you are worthy to be praised. You are holy and you are highly lifted up and exalted in our own lives. We pray, would you use us to join you? Would you start a revival here? Would you please change our hearts, Convict us of sin. We don't want our sin. We don't want our earthly passions. We know we stumble and fall. We have weaknesses. Do not leave us or forsake us. Use us for your work. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me send you out with the sending. If you would, stand, please. We have been motivated by the love God has shown us in Christ. We have been united in our worship of the living God together. We have been encouraged by our fellowship with one another. And we have been equipped by the preaching of God's word. Now go in the power of the Holy Spirit. In all that you do, love God boldly. In whatever family, neighborhood, workplace, or school God has placed you, love people sacrificially. In whatever stage of life you find yourself, look for opportunities to lead others to do the same. You are the church. You are God's hope for the world. Now go be the church. Grace, we are sent.